Good morning, and we are joined at this time by State Representative Randy Fry for his uh, weekly uh, legislative update. Good morning to you, Randy. Good morning, Tom. And a lot, uh, of course, going on as the uh, General Assembly session continues on here and uh, going uh, through the end of April. And uh, in particular, uh, this morning, Randy, uh, you got uh, House Bill uh, 1055, which you authored. Um, can you give us an update on that? I guess a summary first of the legislation then, and then um, an update of where that stands. I can, Tom. Uh, House Bill 1055 will be on third reading today in the uh in the House of Representatives, and third reading is where we uh, debate the merit of the bill itself. And this bill expands from three to seven the uh, number of deputies that a, uh, a town marshal can have. Currently, the law says they can have three, and uh, we want to bump that up to seven. The reason is a lot of our town marshals struggle to find uh, additional employees, and they use a lot of reserves or volunteers that might come and work a shift or two or three, and they want to be able to compensate them. Uh, when a community has a festival, for instance, there's a lot more folks in town, a lot more need for law enforcement. And, uh, so they struggle to, you know, to fill those positions even for a few hours or a few days a week. This just gives them another tool in their toolbox, making it possible for them to have additional employees if they need them. Uh, that's a mandate that they have them. That's the first part of the bill. The second part of the bill allows for um, a, a community to no longer have a restriction on where uh, a public safety official can live. A few years ago, I passed a bill here that eliminated residency requirement down to 7,500 population of a community. And this bill takes it further and just does away with it. We want communities to be able to hire in the county around them or even further out if they need to to fill some of these job openings. We struggle to, we're struggling to get uh, public safety officials. To give you an example, Oldenburg is in Franklin County. They couldn't hire out of Batesville. So uh, this, this just makes it so that there's no more residency requirement. The individual can live wherever, and the uh, community can decide whether they want to employ them or not. That's not to say they can't control where their police vehicle goes. Um, the vehicle uh, is, belongs to the community, and they can regulate whether it can go so many miles or out of the county. It's up to them. So, and the third part of the bill uh, expands the ability of hospital police to enforce the law off campus. The current law says a hospital police officer can only have police powers on the hospital facility, the hospital campus. And they are police officers. They're not uh, security guards. These are real police officers. They have arrest powers while they're on the uh, hospital campus. But you can imagine a hospital facility as large as, say, for instance, St. Vincent's uh, in Indianapolis, St. Francis, where they have multiple facilities. When these officers travel from one to the other, they literally cannot assist another officer with backup. They can't stop a crime if they witness it. And they're in a full uniform, and they're in a police vehicle, but they are, their police powers don't go with them. So this just expands that and allows them to have arrest powers when they're uh, off their hospital campus. We heard from several hospital uh, facilities that want this. And by the way, Tom, most all of our public safety is paid for by tax dollars. But these individuals are actually paid for by the hospital. 
So we're going to get additional police officers, but it doesn't cost the taxpayer. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. And uh, you mentioned in uh, hearing from the uh, hospital uh, staff and administrators and so forth regarding that. Now, as far as the um, uh, the residency rule, had you uh, heard from, uh, from uh, for example, town marshals and things of that nature who uh, have to deal with the, that issue? We've heard from them that ones that wanted it. We did hear from one that didn't think it was a good idea, but it was just one. So, uh, but uh, we've, we believe uh, with the job openings and uh, struggle that communities are, are having to fill those openings that they should be able to hire from wherever they want to. And so this just gives them that freedom. Okay, so pretty much uh, more or less overwhelmingly uh, it was in favor of this. And, uh, and as far as um, uh, what uh, the uh, town marshal uh, training program, I understand that this is a uh, tier two uh, training program that uh, uh, new mm-hmm. uh, town uh, uh, deputies would go through. Uh, tier two is, uh, is different than tier one, of course. And tier one would be what your state police would go through, your, your uh, uh, county sheriffs would go through. Tier two is a lesser level of training. It's certainly not, uh, they're, they're absolutely trained to be police officers, but they don't have all the same training that a tier one would have because it's just not necessary. Um, a town marshal's uh, duties are not as broad as, say, a state police officer. So, yes, the town marshals are tier two, but they've been tier two all along. This doesn't change that. It just allows them to have more tier two officers. Okay, so uh, all kinds of uh, moving parts in this one. Again, it's uh, House Bill 1055, and uh, that is getting a, mm-hmm. a, a hearing uh, later on. It'll be on third reading today in the uh, House of Representatives. And by the way, Tom, this bill did pass out of the out of Veterans Affairs and Public Safety Committee unanimously. So uh, there was uh, overwhelming support. All right. And then uh, House Bill uh, 1030, uh, excuse me, uh, 1312, uh, this was uh, authored by mm-hmm. another uh, lawmaker. Um, you can give us a, a synopsis of that and uh, exactly where that bill stands. Yeah, I sure can. Uh, this, is, this is authored by a, a House Liger, representative from Northwest Indiana. And, Tom, what this bill does is it establishes a grant program for communities that are struggling with additional crime that's coming across state lines. Uh, in the bill, it's called border, but it's talking about the border between Indiana and Illinois, Indiana and Ohio, where uh, where we're having additional problems because of the other states, whether they're enforcing their laws same as we do or not as well. Uh, Northwest Indiana is struggling with crime that's coming out of Chicago. And uh, one of the reasons we're told, we heard in committee, was that during COVID, the, Illinois was shut down. You couldn't go out for dinner. You couldn't go to do certain things. But Indiana wasn't shut down nearly as long. And so a lot of the folks who were uh, in the Illinois area came to Indiana if they wanted to go out to dinner or a movie or something. But the criminal element also came. And so we've got a, a pretty big influx of crime. We're also getting an uh, influx of carjackings, of felons who are fleeing into Indiana from Illinois. And so what this does is it just gives additional money in a form of a grant to help combat that crime coming from another state. It doesn't limit it to Illinois. It could be coming out of Kentucky. It could be coming out of Michigan or, or Ohio. So, uh, But that, where this originated is northwest Indiana and the, uh, the struggle that they're having with the city of Chicago. And so I guess to uh, paint a picture for, uh, for this area, say somebody comes over from 
Ohio into uh, Franklin County or Dearborn County and uh, commits uh, mm-hmm. a serious crime, it would it would affect uh, those cases. It, it would make them eligible if they have a high enough number of cases that are, are involve someone from out of state, then they're eligible for the grant money. And then the grant money would be used for additional crime fighting tools, whether uh, whatever tool that the local police department, whether it's sheriff's department, town marshal, or or uh, uh, you know, city police, uh, uh, county sheriff, whatever they, whoever would apply for the grant, if they're eligible, they can get the grant money, and it would uh, would help them combat this crime. And uh, where does this uh, bill stand at this time? Uh, I believe I know it passed our committee, Veterans Public Safety is. I think it's in ways and means, and it may actually be coming to the House floor very soon. I'm pretty sure that uh, the bill is going to make it out to the floor. We'll see what happens. And once it gets to the floor, then, of course, it has to go to the Senate. They'll have to go through the process again. A lot of bills that seem to be really good sometimes make it, sometimes don't. So we'll have to wait and see how it goes. But right now it's moving through the system. All right, and then with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll continue our conversation with State Representative Randy Fry right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To-Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To-Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To-Go, big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back as we continue our conversation with State Representative Randy Fry, who represents House District 67 at the State House. And of course, uh, the big uh, thing that's going on, uh, Randy, that uh, you know the main uh, the main driver of the uh, session, the long session this year, is the two-year budget and uh, where things stand as far as that's concerned. Well, Tom, the budget is still in ways and means. Um, they're taking testimony. Uh, every session day, practically, for for different state agencies to craft a state budget. As you know, the state budget funds the state uh, for two years. It'll run from July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2025. And that budget uh, will be someplace north of $38 billion. In that budget uh, funds everything that the state pays for. But the biggest factor is K-12 education. It's over 50% of the entire state budget goes to K-12. When you figure in additional secondary education, it's well over 60%. And so the balance of the budget funds everything else, from state police, state parks, NDOT, uh, you name it, whatever the state does, BMD, uh, all those agencies are funded from the state budget. So it's a huge undertaking and a great deal of uh, work goes into it. Uh, once the budget bill passes Ways and Means, it'll then come to the House floor, and it'll be like any other bill, where it'll be eligible for amendments on second reading. And there are usually a lot of amendments offered on second reading, uh, sometimes 30 or more. Once the bill is uh, amended or not, and it comes uh, and it passes on to third reading, and the bill will be debated on the merits of the budget itself. And then that bill, once it's passed, and it will pass, it will go over to the Senate, where it will begin the process all over again. It will go to Senate Appropriations, 
and they began to craft what the Senate believes is the best budget for Indiana. We started with the governor's version. We have the House version. We'll have the Senate version. But at the end of session, the last two weeks of session, is conference committee. And the conference committee is where all the differences are worked out, the negotiations take place, and then the final budget bill will be passed, usually the last day of session. In the House and the Senate, they have to match. They have to be identical. If they pass, and they will in both chambers, then they go to the governor for their signature. So an awful lot of work going into the budget, an awful lot of uh, Funding has to take place, and you have to analyze it. Is it enough? Is it too much? Do we need to do this or that with it? Uh, so it's a huge undertaking for the Ways and Means Committee. And the Ways and Means Committee is a big committee. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how many is on there, but more than 20. And most committees have 13. They would have probably twice that. So um, this is a lot of testimony. A lot of folks come and, and speak on uh, every aspect of state government uh, funding and then just determine how much money to put into the budget for each of those agencies. And then we see uh, if the, the bill, what happens when it moves from the House over to the Senate. A lot to be done in the next three weeks. And another uh, item that uh, is garnering a lot of attention is uh, property tax reform. And uh, as, at least from the House perspective, Randy, uh, uh, where does that uh, stand? Well, we're still working on it for sure. Uh, Tom, we know that property taxes are going to be a big issue. Um, it's not that the state has raised your property tax rate. You haven't. What's happened is that inflation has driven up the cost of housing, and your property taxes are based on your uh, property tax assessment. What's your property value? When it goes up, your taxes go up. That was a decision that was made by the Supreme Court before I got in the General Assembly, was that the property tax rate had to be on a real value uh, assessment. And so as property, if if you remember in 2021, 2022, for sure, there were people paying more than the asking price for a home. There were, uh, it's it's driven up the the cost of housing 15 to 20%. At the same time, it costs a lot more to build a home. The the, uh, materials went way up. And so what's happening now is that the after effect of that is the property tax rates are going to be much higher on our property. We know it. We're, we're working on adjusting how the taxes are figured. We're working on possible solutions. One may be to double the uh, homestead exemption. One may be to rebate some money back. Uh, one thing to remember is that the property taxes do not come to state. They fund local government. So it's not that the state of Indiana is getting any of this additional money. It goes to local government so uh, and, and the schools. So um, we, we know it's going to be a burden on the, on the taxpayer, and we need to figure it out, and we're working on it. And anything else uh, before we let you go this morning, Randy? Well, Tom's going to be a busy day. Um, there are a great deal of bills on the uh, uh, on the calendar, uh, looks like 16 bills are on second reading, 13 bills on third. Um, and as we progress toward the end of February, which is known as the first half of session, uh, as we progress to the end of February, uh, be more and more and more bills make it from committee onto the House floor. The General Assembly is the only place that I know of where two halves don't make a whole. The first half will end at the end of February. The second half will end uh, about the middle of April. 
in the last two weeks, our conference committee where everything has to be reconciled. So there's two halves in the conference committee. But uh, it's going to get really busy uh, over the next few days and, uh, and uh, into early March. All right. Well, State Representative Randy Fry, we appreciate your time as always this morning. Uh, stay well and uh, good luck uh, getting uh, the, the work done, the people's uh, business done. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, Tom.